Welcome to the Modern Investing with Side Pocket podcast, where we find some of the brightest minds in investing, entrepreneurship, real estate, tech, and more, and ask them, how do you stay financially ahead of the curve in the dynamic world we live in? But before we start, a quick disclaimer, the content we are discussing through this channel should not be understood or construed as financial advice. Regardless of anything to the contrary, nothing available on or through this channel should be understood as a recommendation to buy or sell securities or constitute financial advice. With that out the way, let's get started. Well, welcome Matt Gardner to the Modern Investing with SciPocket podcast. Great to have you here. You know, I really like what you do out there and sharing and teaching people how to manage their money, uh, all from adults to kids. So really excited to have you here today. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I have to thank you for what you all are doing and building uh, with Side Pockets. Uh, we are in a day and age where fintech is changing so many things. And um, why we started uh, Finlit Tech several years ago, you know, we believe our mission is to build a bridge between financial literacy and financial technology, because there's a bunch of fintech out there to help you do stuff with your money but there's not a lot out there that's actually teaching you what to do with your money. So whenever there's opportunities to come and speak with folks like yourself who are building really neat things and, and change the way people engage with their money, it's uh, it's an honor and it's a pleasure. Awesome, thank you. Let's go ahead and just start with just tell what your background is. Like what was that moment that had you, you know, really think like, wow, you know, hey, we need, a, we need to know how to manage your money, how to invest. And, and is there a personal story? Is there something that like happened to you where you're like, man, I gotta get this under control. Yeah, for me, I really fortunate, really blessed, spent 20 plus years in the financial services industry, wore a lot of different hats. And the turning point for me was, you know, as I wore these different hats and I have been fortunate to serve people in a lot of different areas of their personal financial life. So, you know, bank, business banking, personal banking, corporate 401k, um, uh, commercial corporate lending. I, I, I trust administration. As I said, I've done a lot of different things. It was just really interesting as I had a practice with Raymond James in Houston. I was like, wow, I work with people that have a lot of money, but have little to no financial education uh, when it comes to financial planning or personal finance. And so that's when I decided to write my first book titled Motivate Your Money, Motive for Adults. Uh, it was a way for me to share my Mac nuggets, as I like to call a little ways for people to understand <laughs> like personal finance. Yeah. You know, just keep it, keep the thing simple. People, people go through their lives doing what they do, you know, doctors, lawyers, attorneys, bus drivers, whatever they do. And because financial literacy isn't really taught in schools, uh, people need guidance, people need help. And they, the more you can simplify and make things easier for people, the easier it is for them. So that was my first book. One of my clients came to me and said, Hey, Mac, love the first book. Would you be open to writing something for children? And so that's how the Four Money Bears uh, came to be. It is a tool to help parents with young children start the conversation about money. Could you touch on just like what's the first conversation you recommend your parents parents have with their kids? I'm yeah. Kidding. So it, it's interestingly enough, the first habit, so if my two kids were here, they'd be like, yes, Papa, yes, we know habits, behaviors, traits, good financial habits become good financial behaviors, which eventually become good financial traits. So Interestingly, the first habit a child picks up is their parent spending habit. Mm -hmm. And studies show that 
a child's connectivity with money starts as early as age seven, sometimes as early as age five. So the whole idea behind the Four Money Beers book, if you are a parent that probably didn't get this sort of financial literacy, personal finance guidance in your life, how do you start the conversation with your child? The book is about me and my wife and my three kids at, at home. I'm Papa Bear, my wife's Mama Bear, our kids are the baby bears. Uh, but really explaining to them that, hey, just because we can take you to the store and just because the first place you run off to is the toy aisle doesn't mean that you can just spend money. You actually have four options when it comes to your money. Spending, saving, which kids typically understand at elementary school age. But there are two other very important functions, uh, gentlemen, which is investing and giving that we believe the earlier you can start introducing young people to, the better off they will be long-term. I see it like a nice basic portfolio uh, of like, you know, buckets to put money into. I think it's fairly easy, right? To, you know, understand at that age. It, it is. And I think a lot of parents take it for granted that maybe kids won't understand when in actuality they do I often talk about these three R's of our relationship with money and really it's our relationship with anything. The first R is, you know, someone puts a dollar bill in a child's hand and they realize, hey, this is money. Okay, paper, I can do stuff. The second R is they, they recognize what it does. And for most kids, in fact, sometimes all the way to teenage years or adults, those two functions of money that they recognize it can do is spending and saving. And then once you realize and recognize what it is, you can then start rationalizing how to use money, right? Mm -hmm. But if no one tells you about those two other functions, the fact that you can invest from an early age, there's fintech that's out there that's allowing people to, to, to purchase fractional shares and parents to buy three, four, five dollars worth of a stock. The importance of giving, why you should start giving at an early age. If you don't get that full spectrum of, of options, how are you going to rationalize how to utilize money as a tool for, for long-term wealth creation uh, and just long-term, you know, attainment of goals? Mm -hmm. I use this really cool because a lot of our listeners have different various levels of success from kind of early on investor career or they're experienced. And I think we learn this stuff, but then how do we communicate it to our kids? So I, I really appreciate this conversation. I think it'll be valuable. Yeah, so here, here's what we found. So I wrote this book five, six years ago. Um, we, we're so blessed when I tell you that we did not expect when I wrote this book that we'd have book sales in you know, India, Switzerland, France, Canada. So we literally have global book sales. And what it shows us is that you know financial literacy isn't just a US problem, it's a global issue. People just aren't really being taught about money and finances. But I think the deeper root of this Fellas, is, is, is all we are at the end of our days is a collection of stories. My children will hear stories about stocks and bonds and balanced portfolios and IRAs and 401ks. Your children will hear about them and all the different things because that's the space we live in. Mm -hmm. A vast majority of children won't ever get the story. Ever. Right. And so that's why, you know, we find the book to be a really neat tool, but more importantly, with, with what we're developing now, which is the Four Money Bears Berryville, which is the first of its kind early childhood um, financial education app slash game, uh, we're leveraging technology to really get the game out, get the resources out and scale it 
in a way that a book can't be scaled. Mm-hmm. You used to manage people's money, right? Mm-hmm. As a, as a financial advisor or how did you work? Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, in various capacities, high net worth, ultra high net worth, retail, the, the full spectrum, you know, managing assets. I, we talk about these, these, these four bears and we talk about, they each have little mantras. So, you know, spend a bear, spend cautiously, save a bear is, you know, uh, save diligently, invest a bear is invest wisely. And then give a bear is to give generously. And when we're talking about investing, in fact, I, I just put a post recently together about down markets are painful for adults and for most people, but they are great learning <laughs> environments to be able to teach folks, especially young people, that it doesn't always go up. <laughs> it goes down at times. And I remember I was an advisor. I got my my uh, my licenses back in the late 90s, early 2000s. So I, I weathered the dot-com bubble in 01, I, I weathered the, the 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 big downturn in 08, and you know that's it's not it's not really about timing the market as I say it's about time in the market. All these are conversations that if we can if we can break it down and make it easier for 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 people to digest and understand, uh, we can share this information with young people as well, and they can benefit from it. Investor bear is is a, is a neat idea, and interestingly enough. Young people understand the concept of investing. They understand, like, you know, uh, you can either buy Nike shoes or you can actually own shares of the company, Nike, that makes the shoes. And all of a sudden, little, little minds start popping, like, oh, really? And then, you know, I, I've done so many book readings and, and so many presentations for elementary schools. I do this $100 bill challenge and I'll ask these kids, hey, if I gave this $100 bill, what would you do? And of course, nine out of 10 kids raise their hand. They, they say they buy stuff and they spend it. And then one kid or two would say, hey, you know, we, we put it away. But I've actually, I've had children say, yeah, my, my mom and my dad, they own a business. And that's the first, I think one of the first ways to understand what investing is. Because when you own a business, you're investing your resources into something that can that has risk and can potentially do very, very well or, or, or not succeed. So again, I think it's just, it's structuring these conversations so that parents too, because a lot of times we've had, we've had a lot of parents who say, Mac, thanks for not making this book too kitty. Uh, you're teaching me a couple of things here about investing and, and what, what we can do. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs guidance, especially in the markets nowadays. So it doesn't matter if someone needs to hear invest a bear or tactical asset allocation using sharp ratios. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It, Mac, it, I it, have a question yeah. for you. As a CFP, and you know, I'm sure you've read a lot of the uh, most recent kind of expert articles, like the chief equity strategist Barry Bannister, and you know, there's at least a couple dozen, you know equity strategists that had uh, talked about this, but basically what they're saying is um, the next decade, it's not going to be uh, like the last one for investors in the U.S. stock market. Um, it's it's going to be more like a lost decade, and there isn't that many places to put your money uh, unless you have some sort of tactical approach. Well, but I mean- whenever the articles come out, my next thought is, okay, so we have, you know, millions of retail investors reading these articles now, and then there's, you know, the next question is like, okay, what do I do? Because <laughs> I'm with, you know, Vanguard and Schwab and all these, you know, strategic asset allocation portfolios. Um, it, so I guess my question is, have you like uh, come across any of these 
reports uh, and then kind of what, how have you been dealing with that with your clients? So historically, I, I, I read all the white papers and all the different commentaries that come out. Um, but historically, when I talk to clients about investing in particular, I use a really interesting analogy. I said, has anyone, has anyone ever come to you and say, hey, uh, Mac, I'm trying to get to the mall or Dan, I'm trying to get to the mall. Have you ever said, okay, get in your car, get to the stop sign, make a right and drive 26,400 feet. Have you ever said that to anyone? No. <laughs> you say, go in your stop sign, get in your car and drive five miles. Right? Mm-hmm. Everything is about reference of scale and, 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 and time and investing is that way. And so if you're someone in your 30s and you're relatively new in your career, dollar cost average, take advantage of things that will allow you when the market is down to buy more. <laughs> and guess what? If you use the old rudimentary rule of 100 for what portion should be in stock and what portion portfolio should be in bonds, you know, if you're 30 years old, 30% of your stuff should be relatively safe and 70% of your stuff should be in growth. If you're in your 60s and you cannot afford a 08 or a 01 in your portfolio, you should not have <laughs> that much high risk or things that have that much volatility in your overall portfolio. So like, you know, economists economize and economists write stories and there are tons of thought leaders out there, but everyone's plan is based upon their personal tolerance for risk. And hopefully if they're sitting with an advisor, someone that provides some sort of bucketing approach or something that at least says, hey, based upon these goals, these are the right tools that you should be in to get there. I mean, I hear stories about people in 401k plans and like, oh yeah, I've got a 401k. It's like, oh, what are you allocated? It's a hundred percent money market. What? (laughs) How are you in your mid twenties and you have a hundred percent because most folks just don't know. And I think if, if, if there's certain rules, basic rules folks can understand and be aware of and understand that's really what drives a lot of their returns. You know, I think a lot of folks would be in a, in a good place. 100% money, money market is just uh, hiding under your mattress with more steps. <laughs> and, 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 and people think there's no risk, but there is a risk. There's inflation risk. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a risk of your money not being worth what it was three, four, five, six, ten 10 years ago. So I, I yeah. guess what I'm saying is, though, uh, and I agree with you 100%. If you do anything at least dollar cost average, I think the mm-hmm. problem is that the current paradigm of investing, which is modern portfolio theory derived strategic asset allocation. Mm-hmm. If you go to any robo advisor out there, they don't do that, right? They don't dollar cost average. So uh, so then the next question is, and, and most people, you know, they have their own lives and careers, you know, they're, they're not professional CFPs like yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't necessarily have the time or uh, the knowledge the to knowledge. be able to execute on, because that is at fundamentally a systematic strategy, right? Mm-hmm. Saying every time the market drops 10%, I'm going to buy a percentage mm-hmm. uh, of, of the liquid capital that I have. Um, but I guess it, the question uh, I get often is, okay, great. So somebody's doing that for me, right? Is there automation around that? Yeah. <laughs> and then I don't really have a clear answer for them if they're with Wealthguard, Wealth, Wealth yeah. Vanguard or Schwab or any robot. Platforms are so different. Right. You never know. 
No. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's interesting when I know you all have built a really cool platform that really helps mitigate and alleviate downside risk, which I tell folks all the time is so important. I mean, your portfolio goes down, you know, a little bit, you know, goes down 10%. Okay. Yeah. Maybe you need 11, 12 to get back. You go down 25%. You need a 30 plus percent <laughs> return to get back to where you started. And, and I think having processes or platforms in place that can help manage downside risk is huge. And institutions and big companies are using them. So why not bring that resource and technology to, to a broader market? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Are you, uh, are you personally using any of those uh, tools right now or? So I, I did, I did download the, uh, the, uh, the side pocket app and kind of messed around with it a little bit. And I, I like the overall concept. I like how you, I really like how you simplify things. So just a FYI, I stepped away from the, uh, the, the financial planning side of it April of this year to full-time into Finlit Tech. But when I was managing uh, assets for people, you know, it, it's funny. You sit down with people and everyone says, oh, is, is, how much is, is 1% a good amount? To, oh, how much is this person over here charging X, Y, Z? But when you've been through markets like 08, and you see people who started 50-50 and then the run-up happened and they were 80-20 and they never reallocated and never took, took some off the top. And all of a sudden the market got them back to 50-50, but they lost 30% of their portfolio. I, I, they used to call me Professor Gardner because I have a whiteboard in my office and I'd, I'd write little pie charts and, and I'd ask him point blank, would you have paid 1% to not lose 30 yeah. <laughs> and, and and in essence, that's what you're paying money managers for, be, be it passive, be it tactical, be it strategic, whatever. But hopefully, if you have someone that understands the concepts of trying to mitigate losses, um, and that person is is helping a client that way and utilizing the tools to do that, mm -hmm. I, I think that's a good thing to do. What's your, um, what's your outlook on just like how um, you know, just how the markets are taking shape and how, you know, industries are evolving. Um, you know, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of people that are kind of confused of where to, where to focus their attention. And, you know, so I'm curious, like, what, what is your perspective like on just how things are evolving from an investor's perspective, money manager perspective? Like, what, what are some things to pay, that you're paying attention to and that you think, uh, you know, should be on other people's radars as well? I remember when robo advisors were getting super popular and so many advisors were like, oh man, they're gonna run us out of, the, out of the office. You know, we're not gonna have any value. I think robo advisors and, and those platforms serve their purpose um, for folks who are looking for something that kind of do-it-yourselfers and mm -hmm. they're folks that are out there. Um, but I, I think I'm a believer in the power of advice, the power of guidance, the power of connectivity, and people do a very good job doing that. Uh, I serve on the board of University of South Florida's personal financial planning degree program. So what I am hoping to see in the future from our industry is more advisors coming into the, the, the business from a, a diverse, equitable, inclusive perspective but advisors that are tech friendly, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you look at what's going on with NFTs, cryptocurrency, 
tons of people own this stuff, right? but the advisory industry hasn't really caught on. Okay. How do we talk about this? How, how, how do I monitor it? So there are lots of things that are coming on board, but I think the industry, the financial service industry is evolving. Technology is becoming so much more pervasive. And I, I, I foresee a future where more advisors are fully understanding of what the technology is out there and, mm. and hopefully having more deeper conversations about it with their clients. Yeah, because it's, it's hard to be a fiduciary if you don't understand what's happening yourself. <laughs> you know, yeah. like with your platform, I mean, you, 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 you have investors that, you know, put some money on that platform. And as a, as an advisor, my job is to look at your full picture, mm -hmm. assets, liabilities, income expenses, and provide guidance based on that. So I'm, I'm going to want to understand what your platform looks like and why you're doing what you're doing. And, and um, yeah, so I, I think there's going to be a lot more tech conversations going on in, in people's homes and just advisors need to adapt to that. Mm -hmm. Mac, I have a quick question surrounding that too. Do you ever get uh, requests where clients, so you holistically look at the full picture, which I think is also important, um, but do you ever get requests for more transparency or some sort of technology enablement? Because I've heard a lot of my personal friends say, you know, I love my advisor and my CFP, but I wish I could kind of see more of the work that they're doing and and kind of where my money is at all times. Which So they like that aspect of robo-advisors uh, and hate everything else. <laughs> it yeah. seems like those wor worlds never really merged in, in a meaningful way. The big thing that I hear a lot of it from the industry is the, 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 biggest, the biggest reason why people leave their advisor um, is lack of communication and lack of transparency. Those are literally the, the, the two big ones. I never hear from my guy or gal. And when I do hear from them, I don't feel like they're really trying to show me everything and, and, and be fully um, transparent with, with the whole process. Our industry, it's terrible. Advisors have a, a knack of um, talking over <laughs> clients. To try to show how much smarter they may be and how much more they know and justifying their fees and so on and so forth. And so um, those are definitely things that I think the industry needs to work on. But but fintech is gonna change that. When 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 folks can, when folks don't necessarily need <laughs> that person for that resource because they can get something comparable at a similar or lower price, that's sort of what'll start happening. Mm-hmm. Where do you see the market in uh, five years? <laughs> um, tongue in cheek, not where it is today. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Again, so I was a poli sci uh, major at Maryland with with the with the minor in economics. You look at the amount of capital that's just flowing through our economy. China's economy and these all these other economies that are really Africa is really starting to do a lot of great things now. Um, there's bumps and roads. I, I remember years ago when rates were super low and like, oh, they're, they're going to start going up. And better buy those tips, buy, buy, buy those treasury inflated protected securities. And it took forever, forever, ever. And then finally it happened. So there, 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 there's ups and downs. I, I've never really tried to prognosticate the market because honestly, I, I can't control it. What I can control personally and what I try to get across to my clients is 
what's your story? What's your tolerance for risk? And, you know, I've worked with clients that are in their twenties, but they're just not risk tolerant. They only want 20% of their stuff <laughs> exposed to, to any sort of volatility. And conversely, I've had clients in their eighties. Question on that real yeah. quick on the whole risk tolerance side, right? Is there an objective risk tolerance for somebody or is that a very personal decision of like, what's going to cause anxiety in their lives or what's going to cause peace? Is that a personality thing? Is there some more objectivity to it? There's, there's personality, there's behavior, there's culture. There's so many things that go into a person's risk tolerance. It's what they got burned with in the past. It's, I don't want to look and see any sort of volatility at all. I think our, our job as advisors though, is to, is to help to take in that behavioral aspect, understand, fully appreciate it, but then be able to say, this is the tool and this is the reason why this tool exists in order for you to reach your goals. And so, yeah, you may not need 80% of your stuff in, you know, small cap European emerging markets, <laughs> right? Yeah. But having a sleeve of that, having a little bit of that in there, along with other things, allows for long-term capital growth and more probability for growth. And I think it's a lot of times is explaining because people are like, oh, stocks, oh, I don't like stocks. Like, well, why? And then you start peeling things back and then you start understanding and then you can really start dealing with what the issues are. But yeah, that, that you know, the whole 10 question risk tolerance questionnaire or the 20 question risk tolerance questionnaire, is, it's, it's funny. It's, I think it's more for compliance, but I think you just have to understand what the person's what's really driving the decisions, financial decisions for that person. Yeah, I like that framework that like, because at the end of the day, you want to live peacefully. You want to know your money's managed well. You know, want to know it's going to be there. And again, depending on your attitude, how you want to live life, um, you know, you can then decide how much risk exposure you want because you can consider, man, if I want to be a billionaire in 20 years, I need to have a high, you know, risk tolerance depending on where you're at right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you if, if uh, you want to, but then you, it makes you feel weird and it makes you uncomfortable, then you know m- there might be some other strategies. But like. That, that I think that's really great because, you know, like we we don't really, you know, we're not really giving advice. And uh, and it's I think it's very valuable for people to kind of look inside themselves and really understand, you know, what their goals are, what they want to do. And then it's here are the options and, and then just just helping people understand their options and then letting them make their decisions. Because uh, like you mentioned, I mean, a financial advisor can only be as effective as you, as their understanding holistically of the person, the family, yeah. whatever their client. Yeah, I, I I do this cool exercise with folks. I, I on the whiteboard, I'll draw on the top a big old squiggly line. In the middle, I draw draw kind of a, a like a wave, and then the bottom, I draw a line going down, like diagonally down. And I'll ask them at this point in your life, which ride do you want to be on? And folks are like, this top one's got a lot of wiggles. It goes up over time, but it's got a lot of wiggles. <clears throat> this middle one, it's got a little bit of you know, okay. This one is like, why is it going down? And so then I write stock, bond, cash. And mm-hmm. I'm like, in time, that's in essence what you're getting. It's just the ride is a little bumpier with one versus the other. And you're like, well, why is that one going down? <laughs> because over time you lose money with cash, you know? And so just, again, try to simplify things for people so they understand why they're doing and setting those expectations, I think are pretty important. Why they're taking those risks. Exactly. And- and that's that's the whole thing. Like you again, like I said, your cash gets eaten up as if it were under a mattress, like Ryan said earlier, eaten up by rats. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know why they eat money, but they eat money. 
They call I'm in a coffee can in the backyard sometimes. I've known clients to do that. <laughs> Seriously, you met somebody that actually did that? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Wasn't a drug dealer, was it? No, just an, an older person that just, that's, that's, that, that was what they did. <laughs> wow. yeah, that's, that's interesting. But uh, yeah, so I, I think that um, this was really gold right here because I, I think that that's where things kind of get a little hairy where you have all these investment options, but you don't have like a framework to like how to consider them. That's why you need the investor bear, so that when things get hairy, you got the investor bear. There he is, right there. Here we go, <laughs> investor bear. Uh, we will make sure to include a link to that uh, in you. the in in the podcast description and everything. Thank no, you. I think this is really great advice. I think you know the time time in the market is always better than timing the market, mm -hmm. and I think you're very right to you know we we like to ask everyone on the podcast. Uh, where do you see the market in five years or so? Just to get a sense of the outlook that people are coming with. And usually everyone has really interesting insights. But you've made a very good point, which is, and Daniel also added to that, uh, we can't tell people uh, what they should be investing in because it doesn't, the market is different uh, depending on where you are in your life and who you are. And as a certified financial planner, you definitely could speak to that. And so that's very much, and we're glad to hear that you, you really got a kick out of side pocket as well, because part of the reason it was built the way it was built was so that everyone could come at this at a different point in their uh, financial journey and put the strategies together. You know, I was just looking at my side pocket and I'm in, I'm in the enhanced 6040, and I'm so happy for that because a good chunk of that is the tips. It was ready <laughs> and it's killing it right now. Exactly. Not financial advice, just a, just a description of how, uh, how my, how those my... tools work. Yeah. Um, yeah so thank you so much for coming on and just kind of sharing all this wisdom with us. We really appreciate it. No, thank you. I, I like to say the financial life journey is a long one. And, you know, people get plugged into technology or advisors at different stages of, of that financial life journey. And, you know, the journey continues. Yeah, just to ride the coattails of what Ryan was saying, I, I do think um, the service they provide where you're really walking a client through holistically everything is just so immensely complex and important. Um, the roller coaster of risk tolerance, helping people really understand what the impact of that uh, is. Uh, I guess the last thing that I was curious about is then um, how you approach actual asset allocation from that point on. Because, you know, here at SidePocket, we, we're technology, right, at the end of the day, and uh, we do that incredibly well. Um, we outperform, you know, the majority of financial advisors in 2022. Um, but what you provide is really kind of a service where uh, you're approaching it holistically and answering questions people may not be able to answer themselves without being walked through that. Um, have you ever worked with other technology providers that kind of fit that piece of, of really the investment management side to support kind of what you do on a financial planning uh, from a planning angle, I guess you could say? Yeah. So our, our mantra here at Finnatech is, you know, building a bridge between financial literacy and financial technology. But here's why. I think mm -hmm. where everyone's trying to get to, guys, is financial wellness, right? Everyone wants a sense of just, look, financially, I'm okay. We're okay. And we believe it's a formula. So it's financial literacy, super important, need the education. There's tons of it out there. But you need the tools or the financial capability to implement that education. 
And so it's financial literacy plus financial capability that equals financial wellness. And so you all are building that tool or a tool that helps when it comes to investing. A bunch of knowledge, great tool. Hey, go put that out there and do it. Um, uh, E-Money, as I said, one of the clients we were working with, um, they built a tool called Incentive. It's a financial planning light tool. It's phenomenal. It allows people to get insight and guidance on overall financials, like, you know, where should I be based upon my age? Should I have insurance? All these different things. So technology is being built on a regular basis. And we see a bunch of different things. Um, Goal Setter is a really cool platform that really helps people with banking. Uh, Greenlight is one like my children have. So there's a bunch of technology being built. And I think we're just in a very fortunate to be at a time where a lot of creative people are coming and seeing that there's an issue and building the technology that's needed to try to make that change. That's amazing. Very enlightening. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and I think I, I see myself sharing this conversation with people when they're like, how much should I put in which side pocket and risk tolerance and all of that? And it's like, there's a, so much more you have to have some clarity on to, uh, to make those decisions effectively for you. And, um, and you know, once you know for sure, like what's going to make you, you know, um, achieve financial wellness, as you mentioned, you know, then you can go ahead and make those decisions for your risk tolerance a little bit more powerfully versus just arbitrarily forgetting about yourself and burying yourself in stats. Or, and, or the uh, favorite, how uh, much did that one do? How, what was the rate of return of that one? Really? <laughs> like, oh, really? Come on. Yeah, I get that. I get that pretty often, I, you know, and it's like, that's not the conversation yeah. we should be having. Yeah. It's just, how are you, how are you managing and, and, and how are you, you know, doing it so that you preserve what you have and, and as well, on top of that, expose yourself to gains and, and you know, appreciation and, and of course, uh, develop as an investor, you know. Amen, brother. Amen. Awesome. Well, look, Mac, it was really awesome having you on this call. I hope we can have you back here again in like a quarter. Maybe, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how things have changed, but I hope you'd be open to that. Oh, yeah. Oh no, gentlemen, seriously, thanks for having me. I, I love having convers I love having smart conversations about things that are going on in the market. And you all are building some really, really cool stuff. And again, uh, an honor and a pleasure uh, to to join you for your podcast today. Awesome, thank you, Mac. This podcast is sponsored by SidePocket, the only automated robo advisor on the market that combines multiple tactical asset allocation investment strategies to generate returns. If you don't have the time to professionally trade and you're tired of being at the whim of the market's ups and downs, consider using SidePocket to automate your investing. SidePocket monitors the markets and automatically rebalances your holdings each month for you to maximize returns while protecting against losses. Losses are not a one-to-one -one relationship. When you lose 50% of your portfolio in a bad quarter, it requires 100% return the next just to break even. That's why SidePocket applies sophisticated quantitative methods, including tactical asset allocation, to systematically minimize these drawdowns and consistently protect and grow your hard-earned savings. To learn more, visit SidePocket.com.